0: Welcome to the Not for the Average podcast. This is your host, Trent Lashan. Today, we have something very special for you. This is the first episode of our Master Coach series. Today, I'm going to be talking youth development in sports, in particular soccer, with Darren Bauman. Darren is an ex professional UK soccer player who swapped his boots for a whiteboard and has since spent over two decades at the leading edge of youth football development in Europe. Darren spent 11 years at the Manchester City Academy, starting as a junior coach and then becoming head coach, and has been directly involved with developing some of the world's best youth soccer players. He's also studied at numerous sporting organisations, such as FC Barcelona and Real Madrid, to name a few. He's also a UEFA A licensed coach. In this episode, we're going to be exploring what it really takes to make it as an elite footballer or athlete in today's game. We're going to be exploring what our future stars need to be doing on and off the pitch to flourish in the game they love. We're going to be talking about the do's and don'ts for parents. We also talk high performance culture, leadership, recruitment and talent identification and more. Darren is a master coach and he's a breath of fresh air. I can't wait to share this with you. Let's go why are you in shanghai uh
1: really good thanks trent uh, pleasure to be with you today beautiful day in shanghai
0: awesome i'm really looking forward to this interview because it's a little bit off topic we've had numerous conversations on the topic of coaching and junior player development so while this interview is a little bit different from our normal content, what it will do is focus on elite coaching, people development, and optimizing human potential. Now, Darren, we got a little bit of a snapshot in the intro, uh, your cred, so to speak, and, and um, what you've achieved in your career, but what attracted you to coaching and why you're so passionate about junior football development?
1: Well, for me, Trent, it, it goes off, uh, I suppose you could say, a modest playing career I was fortunate to be one of few people to actually get paid for doing what they love, and that was playing football. And then I was one of them people who was really lucky that since the age of four, all all I wanted to do was football. So after playing and then going into coaching, the passion then was to give young people uh, the opportunity that I had. Going to a city, a big city like Birmingham, I only came from a small village in in South Wales. So from day one, really, the experience started and um, yes, it was a different era, Uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s and then through to the 2000s. But that experience as a young player, Trent, uh, really stood me in good stead looking back now uh, for my coaching career Um, because that is part and parcel of the journey um, for a young player now. Trying to make their way in the game, and you know, even more so than than what I experienced, we're talking about players now who who are moving countries. You know, they move into different cultures altogether to follow this dream and to to make it as a professional. So, so that that goes to show you as well how much the game's evolved over the years.
0: Uh, Darren, you spent well over a decade actually at Manchester City Academy, starting as a junior coach yeah. and then becoming a head coach. And you were involved in the development of some outstanding junior talent, some of which have gone on to very successful careers already. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and some of the young players that you were directly involved in developing?
1: Yeah, well, uh, for me, Trent, it was about, I boil it down to the four Ps. So professionalism, passion, perseverance and patience. And they were four things that always stood me in good stead, even from starting out on my journey as a young coach at Manchester City's academy at Main Road, which I think a lot of people forget was actually a very successful academy at the time with the players that, the, that were in the youth team, you know, Micah Richards, Daniel Sturridge, uh, Ben Meek, Kieran Trippier. You know, they all went on to become full internationals, you know, playing for big clubs, uh, etc. So right from early on in my coaching career, I was really fortunate to be in the company of, you know, coaching royalty um, as it was at the time. So there was no real better apprenticeship that I could get than, than the people that I was not working alongside, but observing and being mentored on a daily basis. So, and then the journey of the club going from where it was, to where it is today and being fortunate to be there for 11 seasons in the end. And, you know, these these academies, Trent, they're, they're full of so much potential and um, potential talent. And some of the players that I was fortunate to work with over a number of years, you know, people will see now uh, what Phil Foden is doing uh, for Manchester City and, um, and England. Phil Foden, um, probably probably the the best talent I was fortunate enough to work with on a daily basis and, and work with him over a three, four year period. Um Brahim Diaz, Jaden Sancho, Tommy Della Bashiru, Tyrese Campbell, you know the, the list is long, Trent. Mm, mm. Um because, you know, a decade at the club, you work with many, many players. I mean, David Brooks, who's now at Bournemouth, Tommy Doyle, who's making his way. They've they played first team football. And that's because I started off in the junior academy. So I learned my trade in the junior academy and, and was in charge of the recruitment and the talent idea of the Manchester City U9 squad. Um, and a lot of them players, are still club, Cole Palmer, Tommy Doyle, Taylor Howard, Bellis. They're now young professionals who are training with Pep Guardiola and the stars of that Manchester City team. Um, yeah, like I say, everyone at the club knew and, and you know, I suppose the cream, if you like, of that that talent is, is Phil Foden. And it's no surprise really to people that know him and work with him to see what he's doing now.
0: Okay, this is interesting. So as a parent of young athletes, this to me is a, a special podcast that's a little bit off topic but like I said, we are linking in high-performance coaching and talent development. Uh, we'll talk a bit about recruitment as well. But go back to someone like a Phil Foden. So as a junior, 10, 12, what are you seeing? Is, as someone that goes on to the success he's already had, are they head and shoulders above everyone else or they have they got certain attributes that are just or qualities that you go, hmm, okay, this kid could potentially?
1: Yeah, well, th- these players, Trent, from a, from a young age stand out. Um, You know, they they catch the eye on any any football pitch playing at any standard, Um, whether that's in the grassroots game, which they normally come from, their local clubs. Um, But you're also looking for, you know, the personality and the characteristics that can be developed over a period of time. And then it's about the process and the environment that you will put them players into Gotcha, on the, a fertile daily basis. Ground,
0: the fertile ground, Correct. the environment. We'll talk about culture and the environment as well today. I think that's really important. So we're talking about talent identification and how important recruitment mm. is and what you're looking for. All elite mm. clubs, whether it be professional football clubs, AFL, rugby, league, soccer, you know, the recruitment plays a huge role in the team's success, recruiting the right people. Hey, it's the same in business, Darren. Mm. But at a junior level, what are those characteristics that you're looking for? Those qualities that you said Phil had.
1: Well, consistency is one, Trent, and you know it's about doing the basics. And and these players do the basics very, very well. Mm-hmm. They they're Brilliant consistently decision. good. They're consistently okay. good on a daily basis, and they have they have a drive within them. So they have a work ethic. They have a they have an ang- uh, you know a, a thirst and a desire to improve and continually develop. They can always get better in their world no matter who they've played or where they've played or what they've done on that day, there's always room for improvement. So they have a drive and they have a desire. They also have an inner confidence as well in their own ability. And um, when you identify them characteristics and them traits, and then you put them into a high performance environment and a program, Mm -hmm. then them attributes are only magnified. Gotcha, And and that's when you really start to push them and challenge them and stretch them. And you normally find with this type of player, the harder you push, the harder you challenge, the bigger the task. Mm -hmm. They rise to the occasion and they enjoy it. They want it. You know, and I think, Trent, one of your roles as the coach is you need to facilitate and create that environment for that level of player. Um that's your job, so you have to you have to be the catalyst to bring all that out and And I think one of the big messages is you know you have to zip your ego in the back pocket because it's all about the players. It's all about their development um and your role in in their in the stage of their career at that time is is paramount uh in youth development um because what you're giving them then they'll take with them where they go. So it's very, very important that you've given them the right messages and uh, you know the right role model.
0: Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Their role modeling, mentoring, teaching is at the core of coaching. You're looking for this high performance. And we're talking about a junior football player here. Consistently plays well. Consistently good. Does the basics well. Has a strong work ethic and drive and you also mentioned confidence which does come which does come through experience doesn't it like that confidence does come naturally some are some have got a, some juniors have got a bit of swagger to them already whether that's confidence or arrogance i'm not sure but um and that when you push them they rise to the occasion and they seem to thrive on being pushed and taken out of their comfort zone
1: yeah, absolutely, Trent. And and you have to do your due diligence as well uh, as a coach or as a multidisciplinary team because, you know, regards contact time, um, it's as much about what they do away from the club and away from the pitch as well, rather than when they arrive on the pitch. You know, you have to make it your business. It's a forensic attention to detail to know everything about this player. So, What's their family life like? What are their support structures? What are they like academically? What what's their diet and nutrition like? What's their sleep like? So it, it really is um attention to detail. And your job as the coach or any of the staff around this potential talent, that's what you do.
0: Know your customer. Correct. Exactly the same. Exactly. Know your target. So, audience.
1: You know, know. Know the person, know the player.
0: It does feel like we are behind other parts of the world when it comes to development. That's one of the questions I actually had, Darren, was you know, how does Europe differ to Australia when it comes to development? What does the best practice look like for our juniors?
1: One of the biggest differences, which is my understanding, Trent, is you know, this pay-to-play. So in Europe, in the UK, yeah, the grassroots local clubs that are well-regulated by the FA um, and their FA Chartered Standard Clubs, then yes, parents will have to pay um, subs for their child to register with that club. But it's not, you know, we're not talking a lot of money. And then when the talent is identified and put on different pathways through different clubs and academies, then parents don't pay for that. So I think that's that's one area. Where Europe and the UK really differ from from some countries, that actually, in a way, makes the coach's job um, easier, because you know, like you'll know in business, Trent, the client pays you for a service, and then I, I suppose in in business, um, I don't know if they say in the customer is always right. Does that resonate with yourself?
0: That's a, always gets debated um is not always right but what they think and feel matters so it's actually understanding them going back to your point about understanding the customer understanding the player i think that's really important you know we've got kids playing we've got to get them into the right environments what you talked about earlier you know if a if a player is consistently playing well does the basics really well has that work ethic drive and confidence is doing the right things on on and off the pitch um, then you've got to get them into the right environments you know, and what does that environment look like? You know, you've got to be getting exposure to great coaching and be around good players, and it's got to be a nutritious, fertile ground. So it's how, how do we find that fertile ground? That's the big question here because I'm sure in Australia, parents will pay anything to put their kids in those environments. Um, so just coming back a little bit to, to coaching because that's at the core of what we're talking about today. You know, are our, our kids, you know, when they pay the $2,000 or plus plus $2,000 to go to into these NPL environments, are they getting great coaching? Now, you've been, a as an ex-professional player, you've played at a high level. You're in a UEFA accredited coach. You've been around great coaches from all around the world. Who's the best coach you've worked with and why? Because I want to look link that into what makes a great coach.
1: Yeah, well... I- Funnily enough, Trent, the best coach I've ever worked with and and, and seen work uh, on the pitch. And uh, th- th- there's a couple, um, but a mentor and a really good friend of mine now is uh, Brian Ashton, who's actually the rugby coach. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he, for example, he doesn't classify us as coaches. So he's the he English rugby coach. As, yeah, Sorry. so he was the back's he was the backs England rugby coach when England won the Rugby World Cup under Clive Woodward. So he also managed Ireland and he's done a lot of work with the Australian Federation and New Zealand Federation regards uh, rugby development. Um, And he sees us as educators, not coaches. Mm. Um, We're educators. And then on my coach education pathway, uh, especially with my A license, it was coming into contact with Dick Bate, the late Dick Bait, And I, if you speak to most uh, British coaches, uh, everyone will have heard of Dick Bate. And watching Dick uh, and Brian Ashton coach is really like watching art. It's poetry. Mm. And their emotional intelligence their self-awareness to get what they want out of each individual in different ways is quite extraordinary.
0: That sounds like business skills.
1: Exactly. And, and that's what you are, Trent. And it's a methodical approach. So when you're, when you've got this talent, you're responsible for this talent. And in my case, at Manchester City, my job was to create Champions League footballers who could play for Manchester City's first team. That was the job every day, every single day. Now, number one is if you don't believe that is possible, then you're in the wrong job. But we all believed it was possible. And yeah. one of the things that that Manchester City did really well when they developed uh, the City Football Academy is the young players from their training pitches could see the stadium. Every day. Mm. You know, the, yes. the, the motivation.
0: Goals. Vision. Hope for the future. Every day. Every Brilliant. day. Brilliant. So they're always top of mind. They're always looking over and seeing that stadium. That's where I yep. want to be one day. That's Correct. powerful, isn't it?
1: Yeah. But as well with that trend as well, you have to manage the expectations because the reality is not every player in an academy system is going to get to that level. Um, but there's different ways to get there on the journey to fulfil potential. Now, we might be looking at fulfilling potential and talent on and off the pitch. Um, So as a coach and as part of a multidisciplinary team, you have to wear all these different hats all the time and you have to be aware of which hat to wear when, with who, for what reason. So the how, what and why and when is absolutely paramount and you know you have to know yourself before you can influence others
0: very very and good you,
1: point and you absolutely have to know your
0: players so how do how do you the link there between you know you mentioned at manchester city our job was to create champions now that that's a strong that's a strong message you know as a coach i'm here to create champions on and off the pitch is different because then you're thinking about linking in life skills and, and values and things like, you know, those things that you mentioned earlier, and I'll come back to them, those, um, those five things that make a, a high-potential junior consistently plays well, does the basics well, work ethic, drive, and confidence. You could say that applies to an adult in business. Their life skills, the ability to be able to deliver on those things.
1: Yeah, so what we're talking about, Trent, is an holistic approach. Well, the actual... You know, the actual strap line within the academy, within the club was our job was to create technically gifted, independent, decision-making winners. Mm. That's what we had to create.
0: Technically gifted, independent. Decision-making winners. Decision-making winners. Yeah. And again, that's, to me, that would apply to an adult in the real world. (laughs) You've got to be very good at what you you do. You've got to be independent. Um, yep. to make great decisions and again you know if you really want to shoot for the stars you have to have a, a growth mindset and you've got to have that winning attitude don't you 100 so oh, percent those knowing yourself the young coach but someone like a brian you mentioned brian and dick being great examples because they had a high emotional intelligence they were aware and they had great people skills yeah. how do you deliver on that if you're a young coach if you're 20, 21 or 25, you don't have the life skills. You don't probably even know yourself. So how do you translate that into being a great coach? Well, that's
1: that's your responsibility as a young coach. So I was always a seeker. So I went and, and, and sought out these master coaches. And like I say, my apprenticeship, I was fortunate that I was under the apprenticeship of Jim Cassell, Alex Gibson, Paul Power, and then you know, on my journey through the club with people like Scott Sellers and then Rodolfo Burrell when he came in, who's now Pep Guardiola's assistant. So it really is about who you're exposed to, Mm. Trent. And if if you identify them individuals, then you have to find a way. So if I go back to when Brian started working with me, which was an unbelievable opportunity, but the reality was um i needed brian brian didn't need me this guy's an MBE, a world cup winner so you have to drive that as a young coach and i go back to the passion and the perseverance and the professionalism and the patience all these things you have to develop yourself as an individual before you can develop others now actually as a young coach it's a fantastic opportunity and it's a challenge to do both at the same time. Yet, that's why, in my opinion, I was very fortunate to learn my trade in the junior academy when we were dealing with the five to eight-year-olds and signing the U9s for the academy team. That's where I learned all these things. And, I, and it's a different type of pressure than when you're coaching the U15s, U16s, and you've got that all-star studded squad. I was a different coach then to the coach that joined the club, and I'm a different coach today. Like I say, I wouldn't actually class myself as a coach now. I'd be more of an educator, Mm -hmm. more of a consultant Mm -hmm. because of that experience and because of them life skills. So my advice for a young coach in today's world with a global game that is everywhere is go and seek out, these people go and seek out these practices and be aware of how you conduct yourself. And you'll be amazed at how many doors open yet. Only like you said, Trent, if you have a growth mindset, because a fixed mindset will only get you
0: so far. You've studied at other organizations like FC Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atalanta, You've invested your own time and energy into your own education. So that's exactly what you were talking about there. Investing in yourself. You are the number one influencer. That's the boom language. (laughs) You are the number one influencer. So you've got to invest in your own knowledge. Right. And invest in that knowledge may or probably should absolutely almost always includes mentors. Who are you learning from? Absolutely. As a young coach, who are you learning from? You know, and that's uh, there's a big responsibility we put on our teachers, Darren, whether that's uh, public or private school, uh, whether that's, you know, sporting coaches are often a really big part of of a child's life, particularly those that are are active in sport like mine. Um, So it is a big responsibility. Who are we who are we entrusting our children with It's a really important question, I think, because what are they actually learning? What are they learning? Yeah. And, and again, coming back to getting the into those nutritious, fertile ground, so they can learn. The story of the juniors looking up and seeing the stadium every day, you know, that's just activation, isn't it? That you know, that that growth mindset and the willingness to to keep pushing towards a goal because they can see it. They can actually see where they want to be ultimately. That's a that's yeah, a absolutely. great that's a great takeaway. Now, Darren, talk about development and a lot of philosophy is built around player-centered development but how important is the team development and what are you focusing on you go back to a place like Manchester City or um, you know what are you what are you are you focusing on the individual player or you're focusing on the team development or both
1: you're you're focusing on both all the time Trent Um, so in youth development your job is to produce players that's the number one so but if you break it down, so you've got the individual and then you've got the dynamics within the team. So, you know, you'll break your team down into, you know, your back four, your defensive unit will be one dynamic. Your midfield unit will be another dynamic. Then your your attacking players will be another dynamic. It really is then about the multidisciplinary team and the sports science and the strength and conditioning and the individual player plans and you as the lead coach, first of all, being able to manage all them individuals within your team at the same time as managing the staff individually within that uh, multidisciplinary team. So it's it's a big task. Uh, It's not an easy role because the sports scientists will want what they want for the data and the goalkeeping coach will want what they want. And the analysts will be looking at certain aspects of what they want. And you have to manage all that. So as a coach at that level, you're managing your staff and you're also managing the players and you're also managing the individuals within them teams to get the best out of everyone. And if you do it right, when you're working with your analysis, for example, you don't even have to speak because the, anal- the analyst knows what you're thinking and what you want and how to present that information to the players, to the teams. So what we're talking about now, Trent, is accountability and responsibility and um, involving everyone on that journey. So you know, I would involve the players in the decision-making process for their development. So it wasn't me making the decisions, it was me guiding them and them discovering. And then on match days, for example, there wouldn't be a team talk because the stage was for them. And if you've done the job correctly, your work is done and all you have to do is sit back and watch, watch the players execute. If you're still doing work on a Saturday morning before a game, Mm. then, in my opinion, you've probably missed something or you're not comfortable with something. But if you've done the job correctly, all your staff, all your players will be well-informed. Everybody plays their position. Everybody plays their role. And then, you know, sometimes you still don't get the result that you want or you expect, yet you've guaranteed the process. But that process is daily, weekly, monthly, annually. In these type of environments, Trent, and I suppose in business, you have bad days, you lose money. You, you can't really have many bad days at this
0: level. We've got to trust the process. sounds like you've got to trust the process. And dare to prepare all those multidisciplinary holistic elements you're talking about, you know, so on game day, you can just create, you can express yourself. How do you, like, we see this a lot in junior sports. You see this in business as well, but it's the selfish player. Like, mm. I, I look at the selfish players that aren't team players. They're very technically, you talk about technically gifted, mm. independent, yes, but the decision-making is not mm. there. They do have the winning attitude. They're very competitive. They don't want to give the ball away. But like how do you address that? Because as a parent, I'm thinking the coach should address it. Or is it something the coach looks for and wants that player to express themselves?
1: Yeah, so I think in my world, Trent, what you're talking about there is the Maverick, who is probably the game-changer as well. Now, what, what we did and what I do is I moved to situational coaching. So I'll put that type of player in different situations with different challenges, with different restrictions. And especially in a situation where you might play that player up with older players, and then there will be different consequences to the decisions that that player makes. And then the choices and the consequences will either be positive or or negative. Then Mm -hmm. that's, that's a way of learning. For that player. And again, methodically, sometimes you have to break that player down to build them back up. But you have to involve them in the process. And most importantly, which is one of the things I see a lot of coaches missing, is you have to coach the why. The players have to understand why. As human beings, we're naturally curious. Why is he asking me to do this? Why does she want me to sit there? Why does he want me to be in this position when the ball's there? That's a natural reaction. And as a coach, Mm. if your players understand why, you're 90% there. So Mm. for me, you should embrace that type of player. Embrace that talent. Maybe that talent needs rescuing in some way. Maybe there's some things off the pitch that are affecting that player's attitude that player's demeanour, that player's body language. Yeah, As a coach, you you need to be able to pick up on them cues. Mm. And then you need to be able to make the right decisions for that player. So, and then again, that's about respect, trust and building that relationship
0: on a daily basis. Gotcha. The selfish player. In their mind, they're not selfish. Correct. They're doing what they think they need to. But maybe in the team's mind, the team's collective mind, they're they're selfish. So I want to link that into culture and values or trademark description. What is culture? We're talking about high-performance team here. We're not talking about social culture. What is culture? Mm. And how important is it to the team dynamic?
1: Yeah, well, it, it is huge. Trent, yeah, it's actually quite complicated to manage. Because in youth development, there's only 11 shirts for the team. And the reality is there's only probably two or three spots with that first team. So they're actually, you're building a team, but they're all in competition with each other. Mm -hmm. All of the time, every single day. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get a best-v-best environment, like what we're describing, then the levels you know that the intensity that these players will train at we had training that was more competitive than some of our games the culture and the environment is built on the the essence and the values of of the club and what the club stands for
0: Yeah, gotcha. and it actually
1: gotcha. goes it actually goes wider than that trent uh, in my experience so you know where is the club situated in what part of the country? What are them people known for? What do they want to see? Well, they're hardworking people. You know, they work hard for the money. They want to see a team on the pitch that fights, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So mm-hmm. it's about the culture of the part of the country and the, the culture of the community mm. and and what they expect and what they want to see and what, what they value. And then, you know, the hierarchy in a club, their job is to position the club in the community accordingly. And then your job as staff and the coach is to keep drip feed and their messages into the players every single day. Now, if we go back to a Phil Foden, Phil Foden is a blue. Phil Foden was a Manchester City fan before he went to Manchester City. Mm. Phil Foden used to ball boy at every game whether it was Manchester City versus Rotherham in the, you know, the FA Cup or whether it was Manchester City versus Man United. Mm. He, he, You know, he he lives and breathes the club and that's all he wanted to do. So
0: there's the passion, you know, There's the passion at a young age. The single-minded, yeah. selfish focus, you know, seems to be a common trait with high performers that reach high levels in whatever they do. There's a real single mindedness in in how they look at life. Sometimes it's simplistic, but that's an example of someone at a very young age knowing what they want. And that that is the number one boom. Success tip, Darren. Know what you want. Half the battle in life. Yeah. you talking yeah. about what's on the field, what's off the field is character. It's who someone yeah. is. You can yeah, it's turn behaviors. on behaviors, consistent behaviors, habitual behaviors, and that can be shaped by environment and culture. Uh, But you're saying just the culture of the club has to come through the way that the teams operate and think and behave. The culture of the team reflects the culture of the club. So if the club's values are not clear, then how on earth do the teams have a clear understanding of culture? How do the coaches, you know, teach and educate the kids within that culture? So that to me is often a missing piece. Is the club's not really crystal clear on what they stand for? And they might have a mission painted on their wall, but we don't see it lived by the coaches. We don't see it lived by the parents. We don't see it lived by the players. I think Mm. that's to me what makes a great club. And I've I've been exposed in my own business travels with elite clubs, you know, and the Mm. ones that are really long, have that sustained long-term success are really clear on what they stand for. And there are non-negotiables that align with that as well. So it's and a really- I think that
1: one of the important things as well, Trent, is you speak the same language. Mm. So, you know, all, all the staff, we, we spoke the same language. And if you're not, you know, if you're not in that environment, you won't really understand the language, but the players understand it, the staff understand it. Yeah. And that's the language that you speak mm-hmm. every day, yeah. whether you're talking yeah. about the way we play or whether we, you're talking about the way we act or our yeah. expectations, but we got to a stage at Manchester City, and obviously they've gone on, they've gone on a lot further now as well. But if you if you didn't know, you would be able to tell which was the Manchester City team by the way they carry themselves, by the way they play, by the way they speak. That's the reflection of the club.
0: That's evidence that the culture is alive built on values uh, they're built on um, language you know there's evidence you you can Mm. actually see the culture alive by the way they play by the way they hold themselves on and off the pitch that's really that's a great message your why is really important as a coach you know which links back into you into your mission or purpose as a club you know what are you there to do um, but I do know one thing, and that is you've got to get great coaches. You've got to put them in the right environments, which means how do you choose a club? Well, you've got to choose a club that um, aligns with your values. Darren, we're making the best decisions we can for our kids. You know, and yep. every parent that I know that has a competitive kid, I have competitive kids that play a lot of sport, love their soccer football, is a lot of parents have the rose-coloured glasses on, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Little Sally's going to be the next, you know, superstar or a little yep. Tom going to be a superstar. So what are some of the do's and don'ts for parents to help their kid flourish in the game?
1: In youth development, Trent, the, the audience of the parents is, is a key component, is absolutely critical. And, um, you know, managing the parents is sometimes more difficult than, uh, than managing the players. It's about education and involving them in your process to a certain level so that they have a level of understanding the emotional part is is huge um but we can go really deep into this regards you know communication you know what you say and what you do at any given time will affect that child and is for me the best advice i can say is for all parents is just be consistent and be balanced. So if I put that in football terms, we never got too excited when we won and we never got too down when we lost because we were always focused on the process. Trust the process and we we, we never came off track. We always stuck. We were always on track with the process and then we educated parents accordingly. And, um, you know, sometimes parents will try and live their career that they think they should have had through their son or daughter's eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ultimately we're dealing with children and the world today that they live in is a different world that we lived in when we were the same age. So you have to, for me, Trent, you're dealing with three different time zones, which is the past, the present, and the future. Mm-hmm. A mother or father's past and what they came through and the environment that they were a product of is different today.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you would yep. hope, yep. you know, for the better. The present is always about two things for me for the, for the child: are they happy, and are they healthy? Mm-hmm. Paramount. You have a duty of care to the child. You win a game, you lose a game. What's the mm-hmm. worst thing that's going to happen?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's the type of language you use and the type of communication that you use at the right time. So I would never recommend any parent, in my opinion, you know, on that one hour drive home or that 90 minute drive home. That's a crucial period of time for the parent to either have a a positive or a negative influence on their son or daughter. And the reality is, in the child's eyes, the game has either been and gone. And especially the little ones, they don't even think about it. No. If we're talking development phase, the teenagers, Mm -hmm. yeah, they already know if they played well or not, or if they played to what the standard they expected. They already know that. So they don't need that enforcing. They don't need telling about that. So, and then finally, it's about the professional and the professional is the coach and the professional is the staff because they will know exactly where that player is in their development. And mm-hmm. they will also know and have information that the parents don't know. So that player will have been given individual objectives, for example, in a game. Yeah. The parent won't understand why this player keeps trying to do this.
0: <laughs> yes. It's true. Very true. Well, so that comes back to the trusting kid- the process, Darren. I think that's the thing that um, you, do, you watch the documentaries, you hear the stories about kids at a young age yeah. going to 10 academies by the time they're 12 the parents just yeah. keep shopping them around and that can't be yeah. good for them but there's a lack of trust there because the rose-colored glasses are on and there's I think it's a lack of education, education though
1: that. it's a lack of education as well parent education is yeah. key yeah and and parents have to be a support they have to support it's not support about you in a positive way
0: it's not about you dad It's not about you, mum. It's about the kid. (laughs) Are they happy? Are they healthy? Two simple questions. Trusting the process is a big one, though, Darren.
1: Well, I would say what is the process? Well, again, I'm very clear on what the process is in the UK and Europe. I'm I'm learning about the game in Australia, uh, you know, and the developments over there. You know, but what is, I mean, like you said to me before, you know, I want to be a socceroo. Well, the natural byproduct of a player developing at a club like Manchester City is they end up playing for England. It's a natural progression. Yeah,
0: yeah, which is where they need to be. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah that that's yeah yeah there is a trusting trusting the process, trust the environments you're putting your kid in, trust the coach. Does the is the coach investing in my son or daughter? Do they know them well? do I align, do my values align with the club's values? Are they clear? There's lots of, lots of little uh, navigational instruments we can use as parents to help us navigate into the right environments. Um, and then, of course, beware of the parent that it's all about them. It's not about the kid. And I think that that's a trap as well because you want the best for your kid. But like I said, that timeline's very elegant. The, the past, the present, and the future. Uh, adults have a different past to what the kids are experiencing now. You know, there's things like games, Xbox is massive. You know, kids are not, kids are doing other things off the pitch, you yeah. know, as well. So, so, uh, so uh, socially, we're changing as well. Um, and you... another point, Trent,
1: on that would be emotions are affected by results. Winning or losing a game at U12s, is that going to be really relevant no, in that child's not. development?
0: Absolutely not. That becomes yeah, that the focus does affect, though,
1: doesn't it? But that, that affects people's behaviors, mm. not just parents' coaches as well. Yeah. So it's about having, you know, you have to have one eye on the future and the outcome and where and where this process is taking you. So the reality is, Trent, you know, I can't remember the last time uh, Man City or Man United. If we take the FA Youth Cup for example, yes it's nice to win the FA Youth Cup, but it's more important to produce players for the first team.
0: There's a natural pathway there, there's a clear outcome, clear goals.
1: Um, And you've got to work to that outcome every day, I mean the same you'll do in business, right?
0: Well you've got to have, yeah well you can't see the future in trouble, you need to at least see it. I do know this, the most unsuccessful people I know Darren don't have goals. Uh, they might be happy though. That's important. You said the two things, healthy and happy. You know, um, people are unique, kids are unique, you know, and it's a really under- – the understanding piece is really as important as it is with kids as it is with adults, as it is important in business, which is actually knowing – it's all about people. You know, you mentioned Brian and, and, um, and Dick just having yeah. a really um, acute, finely-tuned awareness and people skills that make – that's what made them a great coach. I think that applies across the board. It makes yeah. you a great parent. It makes you a great you know business person. It makes you a great teacher. It makes you a great friend. You know those these life skills that we can teach kids at a young age are really important. That's why getting them into the right environments is so important, Darren. Hey, Darren, yeah. um, will we ever see you working in Australia? Because you know you're very decorated. You have an amazing coaching um, uh, pedigree, and you've invested a lot of time and energy. Worked with some amazing clubs. Uh, got a lot of knowledge to share, and you're currently in Shanghai. Do you think one day you'll be, you've had enough of Shanghai and you might get, uh, or China, and get across to Australia and help our juniors over here?
1: Yeah, for me, Trent, um, like I said before, I'm always a seeker. And, um, you know, one of the reasons I came to China was the opportunity to help China, you know, develop the game, Uh, and especially with their youth. And and for me, Trent, I, I see Australia as another um, country that's emerging now, and it, you know, and it's it's a country that really interests me, and, and I think it, like all countries has unbelievable potential. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, at my time now in my career, things that are important, Trent, is the project, um, the people, and you know, if 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 it's actually possible to achieve what people are setting out. So, you know, I hear many, many good things about Australia. Uh, I think the Federation in the in the 11-point plan, uh, you know, talking about the right things, the right people, the right club, the right project, the in pieces of the, the jigsaw fit, then absolutely. I'd be, uh, I'd be more than happy to, to come to Australia on the next stage of my my journey
0: brilliant brilliant well we'll watch this space then shall we
1: you know I, I always have the mindset you never know where the next opportunity is going to come from but i've definitely got one eye on the australian market now and um you know and i think there's 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 huge potential for growth and um you know the investment that these clubs make now in youth development and you know that the transfer system being implemented then that's, you know, we have to remember as well, Trent, that that football is also a business.
0: Mm, Big business.
1: Very, very big
0: business. Really have enjoyed our chat today, Darren. I'd love to pick your brain again and go a little bit deeper on a couple of these topics. We'll get some feedback from the audience before we do that, but I really appreciate Mm. you taking the time out.
1: And I I think I can leave you with this one, um, which resonates with sport and business what is your one word equity? So for any young coach out there or maybe more experienced coach, Mm -hmm. what is your one word equity? That one word that, that represents you. And
0: what is the one word that best describes you as a links to your personality, brand and purpose?
1: Yeah. What is your, what is your one word equity? And, um, that was, that was given to me by one of my mentors uh, a few years ago. Now, you know, it, I've got it, mine. It's Darren. fascinating.
0: I've got mine. Would you like to? Boom. A- Boom is one, uh, the Boom brand. Yes, one is passion. <laughs> passion. That is my one-word equity. Definitely, there you I go. Think you have the passion. You know, this is the these are the links you go to when you're passionate is um, you know, looking for yeah. best practices and learning and educating, investing time, energy into into learning more. And I think for me today, it's been fantastic. And obviously every chat I have with you, Darren, it's illuminating. And I hope that I've been able to transfer that across uh, for our listeners. Um, great takeaways for life, for our, for our kids, which are our most precious resource. And of course, um, for us in business, I think some great takeaways as well. So I wanted to thank you again for coming on. But before you go... If people want to uh, connect in with you, Darren, or want to learn more, uh, where do we find you? You've got um, a social presence. You've got a couple of websites.
1: Yeah, I've got my um, DB7K Consultancy Trent dot um, so com I'm as a consultant. Uh, it can be dot com dot cn dot hk for Jeez. Hong Kong.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so you you know, and if there's anyone who's a Got any burning questions or anything of interest? Obviously, there's some communication channels there that they can get in touch with. Um, you know, I, I work a lot now on the coach education side, um, so educating the coaches so they can educate the, the children, and that's working in Brilliant. education sectors, etc., etc. Et so, so yeah, the DB7K consultancy at the moment.
0: Well, hopefully, Australian club gets a hold of you. We'd love to see you in the A League.
1: I look forward to it.
0: Thanks, Darren. All the best. Look forward to catching up soon. Cheers, Trent. Take care. Trent Leishan is the founder and CEO of Australia's number one sales training company, Boom Sales. Sales expert, fast growth specialist, and author of two business titles Outlaw and The Naked Salesman. The Not For The Average podcast exposes the secrets to extraordinary performances in sales, entrepreneurship, and business growth. Warning, this show is not for the average.